We ask you to touch me, Mr. Hardaway, Lord. Touch you from his head to his toe. God, be one of his steps in your word. All these blessings we ask in Jesus' name. In the powerful, powerful, powerful name of Jesus, we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Job. All right. 
Job went through some things, didn't he? Yes, he did. He went through some things, amen? Amen. amen. He went through a whole lot. But in all actuality, before we get into the sermon and uh, text, we have to understand that the book of Job, even though the book is named after him, Job was not on trial. Amen? Job was not on trial. Read closely. God was on trial. God was being tested. Job was the test subject. Job was the test subject because the one who was the Savior went to God and said, right, Job is only worshiping you and is only going to fears you just because you bless him and you protect him. So he challenged God because he said the only reason that anybody get blessed by you, all they got to do is be righteous or act righteous or have fear of you and you give them all they want. And Job chose that to be untrue with the first testament. He took all of his all of his material things and even lost his children at the same time. And he didn't he didn't he didn't curse God. So he came back a second time. And I would say he comes back again. He says, you know, surely if you touch his flesh, he will curse you to your face. And that was one that brought Job really, 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 really close. Really close to giving up. We're going to uh, read about Job at his lowest point and his faith with God and uh, dealing with this disease that he had. You know, he was losing his skin, he was losing his down to his skin bones. He had nothing. He had no family, he had no friends. He had alleged friends that were around him trying to, you know, give him a uh, diagnosis about what's going on with him and why he was dealing with what he was dealing with. You know, we do that today. When somebody calls you a problem, you know, we automatically go into, you know, counselor mode to yeah, you know, you shouldn't do this, you know, take two of these and they call me in the morning. That's usually what we do, because we think we know. But you know, we do it out of, you know, for the good, you know, we were intended to help. As Joe's friends were intended to help him, but they weren't helping him. They were actually hurting him. And then you know, anybody ever visit anybody in the hospital and they're ailing, they usually don't want you to say very much at all. Just sit there with me and be there with me. Put your hand on me. Pray for me. Sing the song. Read the scriptures. Don't tell me. Don't give me your counsel. Let me hear God's counsel. I don't want man's counsel. I want God's counsel. I don't want to hear nothing from nobody else. I just want to hear from God because I want to know why I'm sick. I want to know why I'm dying. I want to know why people out here dying. I want to know why people shoot each other. I want to know why women keep getting abortions. Why men keep allowing their families to be separated. These are things we want to know. I'll just drop a whole lot right there. But let us get into the summer text. Let's get into the summer text. Deacon Smith, the two is really long. We're going to be coming from the book of Job. Job chapter 19. Job chapter 19, verses 1 through 6 is our summer text for the day. Job Job chapter 19, 1 through 6. Why do you keep tormenting me with words? Time after time, you insult me and show no shame for the way you abuse me. Even if I have done wrong, how does that hurt me? You think you are better than I am and regard my troubles as proof of my guilt. Can't you see it is God who has done this? He has set a trap to catch me. Amen? Amen. Come God, let me say that you bless this word, for this word is about you and how you deal with humanity and what goes on in humanity with sin, suffering, and evil. Father, we ask that you would just touch our hearts today and touch anyone out there that doesn't have an understanding of how you deal with things, Father God. Let them understand today, Father God, and let the world block 
that has come to your son Jesus Christ so that they may be saved, be knocked down. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This is Job's lowest point. We get to chapter 19, and lo and behold, we hear that his friends that have caused him so much trouble, as we just talked about. And right here, at verse 6, we hear Job say something monumental. Have you ever been in a situation like Job where you don't know what's going on and uh, you just need somebody to blame? You ever just need somebody to blame when something is going wrong? You don't understand why things is happening? Or maybe you dealt with, uh, you know, sometimes uh, if you ever been there, you done had to, you thought you had money in your bank account. And then all of a sudden there's an overdrive and you used to look up and you don't have any cash and you strap the cash and you're suffering at that moment. Or maybe so that a family member that's dear to you all of a sudden just passes away and you don't understand what's happening. Why did God take that person away? Or maybe so that you're dealing with something right now internally. Maybe you have an addiction or something and you can't shake it and you wonder why. And you pray and you pray and you pray and it's not going away. Why is it not going to get away? Why God? Why does this have to happen to me God? Sometimes God, I just need to know why you do the things you do. Sometimes I just want to yell at God. God, why me? Why do these things have to happen? Do good. 
good should come back. You hear the fruitless uh, Hindu thing called karma. Oh, that's good karma. You do you got good karma? You you gonna have good karma come back to you? That's what it says. It's hogwash. It's a bunch of fragile knuckle wool. It is because we know good people. Well, I should say it like this: bad things happen to good people all the time. Amen. Bad things happen to good people. People out here that are innocent. I had, um, I was off of work. There was an accident. It was a fatal accident up the street from me. A man ran the light. He was running from the police and hit a woman and a child in the car. Broadside. All of them died. That woman and that child were innocent. Just going about their own business. And here comes somebody just running from the police and they should have just stopped and everybody be living, but no, a life is taken. His life is taken. Bad things happen to good people. It happens. We have to understand that just because you know bad things happen, that doesn't mean that God is angry with us, as Job has already mentioned, or God has set up a trap for us. God ain't got time for that. God has an eternal plan. God ain't got time for that. Decided right there in Genesis chapter 3 that he was going to send his son in the likeness of human flesh just so that we may be saved. He ain't got time to be trying to trip you up and make you fall and stumble. He's not about that. He's an all powerful, all loving God, and he cares about the image of God. Amen? A lot of times we get stuck. Let me read a little, a little bit of this song. The song of Asaph from uh, Psalm number 73. This is the words of Asaph, a believer, a man of Israel. He says, God is indeed good to Israel, to those who have pure hearts. But I had nearly lost confidence. My faith was almost gone because I was jealous of the proud and I saw that things go well for the wicked. Wow. A man, God, one of his own children, is complaining and has become envious of those who do wicked things because he's jealous of God's providential goodness. Did you hear that? God's providential goodness. That means that God is good to all of his creatures, whether they absolutely detest him or they absolutely worship him. He is good. But not according to Asaph right here, the wicked is doing good. You know, a lot of times we see, you know, you know, criminals, they get away with um, things sometimes. Sometimes you find out that the person never gets caught. That happens. We got evil things, evil things that we don't know about that transpire all around the world. We got governments out here that not governments like here in the United States, but there are governments that are tyrannical and kill people. And the people that are in control, they get away. Because who's going to overthrow your, your emperor or whoever is over you if you decide to kill you? Who's going to tell him what to do? It's happening. These bad things happen. Wicked people do get away. But we know that in the end, that everybody will face the judgment seat of God. Everyone. And give an account for every word and every thought, every hand movement, everything. So there's hope there. So what about this retribution principle? That's another that Psalm 73. We understand that even those in ancient Israel question God. They wasn't just Job. This happens to everybody. Job goes on. Let me go on to Job. Job gives a larger list of the things that God is doing. This is that God. Job, starting in verse 7, he says, I protest against his violence, but no one is listening. No one hears my cry for justice. God has blocked the way, and I can't get through. He has hidden my path in darkness. He has taken away all my wealth and destroyed my reputation. He banished me from every side. He uproots my hope and leads me to wither and die. God is angry and rages against me. He treats me like his worst enemy. He sends his army to attack me. They dig churches and lay siege 
to my tent. God has made my own family forsake me. I am a stranger to those who knew me. Look at all of those charges against our great and powerful God. You see all those charges that Job has made? But yet and still, before God was put on trial, he told Satan, look, have you considered my servant and how he fears God and is full of integrity and he's righteous? He was all, we already belongs to God. So God is in the text. Job just does not understand why things are happening to him and he somehow has been doing everything right. And God even acknowledged that. It's right here written down. Job is getting it right. Amen? Sometimes we get it right too, but then bad things happen. The whole point is that we just want to understand. We all want to understand, you know, we want to model. We need a model laid out, a systematic model telling us, okay, God, this is God, all right, this is humanity, and then all right, when humanity does a certain thing, God is going to do this, okay, all right, then when humanity does this one thing, God is going to do this, and uh, this is how it should be laid out. That is completely, completely preposterous, because there's no way we will be able to fully understand God and all of his mysterious and all of his knowledge and all of his wisdom. We can't understand everything about God. We're not. But we must understand this, that God is good once again and his providential goodness and that he cares for you despite what's going on, despite sin and evil. He cares about you. He's not gone. David said, yeah, you're going to walk through the shadow in the valley of death. I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me. Yes. Even in my lowest of low, I know God is with me. Yes. If there's anyone listening who will listen to this, know that God is near to you. All you have to do is reach out for him. All you have to do is call out to him. Yes. He cares about you. And if you love them, if you lost loved ones, if you lost family members, it's not God's fault that they've been taken away. It's evil in the circumstances of sin in this world. And the one who's the God over this woman, the Lord gave Jesus, and Satan, is because of him and his influence. It's not God. Evil is nothing but a thing that comes from creation. God has no evil in him. None. We want to charge it to God because he created Satan. This man wouldn't say then. But when he created him, he wasn't evil then. But Satan decided as a free agent that, oh, I'm going to decide that, oh, since I look so good and I seem so good and I can do all this, I want the angels to worship me. He made a big mistake. Holler back. While we go ahead and go to the throne, we know where he is. Ain't that right? Ain't that right? Made a big mistake, no? You made a big mistake. Now, let's get back. Let's get back into scripture. Let's get back into scripture. This Job goes on. Job goes on. After his charges, he goes on to talk about how he lost his family. Then we know that he lost his children, and his wife has abandoned him. Let's go on. This is um, verse thirteen. Says God has made my own family forsake me. I am a stranger to those who knew me. My relatives and friends are gone. Those who were guests in my house have forgotten me. My servant women treat me like a stranger and a foreigner. When I call a servant, he doesn't answer, even when I beg him to help me. My wife can't stand the smell of my breath, and my brothers won't come near me. Children despise me and laugh when they see me. My closest friends look at me with disgust. Those I love most, most have turned against me. My skin hangs loose on my bones. I have barely escaped with my life. You are my friends. Take pity on me. The hand of God has struck me down. Why must you persecute me as God does? Haven't you tormented me enough? This is the lowest of love. 
Jonah has hit rock bottom. His family is gone, everything you see. You notice that Job said about his reputation. Job was known for being one of the richest in his land. Let's look at this. Let's take a look at it. Let me scroll to this real quick about how wealthy Job was. Job chapter 1. We'll begin right at the grave again. It says, There was a man named Job living in the land of us who worshiped God and was, a, and was faithful to him. He was a good man, careful not to do anything evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and on 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 1,000 head of cattle, and 500 donkeys. I think this passage right here, this is 500 donkeys. If you look at a more literal translation, it says he had 500 female donkeys. Why is that significant? Because if he has 500 female donkeys, maybe all he needs to have is maybe 50 males. Look at uh, the increase he would have if 500 of those donkeys would conceive, those female donkeys conceived, he would increase double. Wow. He also had a large number of servants, as he just spoke about his servants, and he was the richest man in the East. Job had it all. He had it all, and at the same time of having it all, he loved and feared God. Wow. So why is Job at this lowest of low right now? How can a man who, who understands that, you know, he got everything because, you know, of him being righteous and him being protected by God and he's faithful to God, now he doesn't understand why he's lost all of those things. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, you know, to be working and be working and be lower or upper middle class and you turn around and you lose your job and, and you lay it off and you can't get another job and now you're out there and you can't work and now you're out there and now you got to hold a sign saying, oh, work a fool or you lose your, you lose your family. Your boy, the men, so my men, so your wife leaves you because you have no money, you can't support anymore, and your wife decides to ditch you and kick you to the curb. Now you have no family, now you have nothing, but I was once doing everything right. Why is this happening? Bad things happen to good people. Unfortunately, a bad thing happened to John. But it's only because God was put on trial because God was accused of only treating people right just because they worshiped him and they were loyal and faithful to him. Even Asaph turned that upside down himself in Psalm 73 when he said, I'm jealous of the wicked because I see them prosper. The great kings of the world that God uh, made known to Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. These were great kingdoms. These were great kings. They were prosperous. They were wicked. But they prospered. Wait a minute. Why, why does God allow them to prosper and allow us who are faithful to him to suffer? Why is that? Unfortunately, we're never given an answer to those questions. In fact, at the end of Job, when God answers Job, God is asking a series of questions. One of those questions specifically was, where were you when I established the earth? Uh-oh. So that little sit down, this little sit down he wanted to have, he finally got that sit down again, God, what's up? And God said, oh, where was you when I made all of this? Oh. Kind of make it choke and swallow and sit back. Because if God established the earth, if he made everything we see, if he's able to turn the hearts of men when we're down sometimes, and he just turned that unsuspected person to come and do something for you. You've had it happen to you. You needed some help. And then God turned a little unsuspected person. And they just come and say, hey, you need you some help. Yes. 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 Yes.
Ain't it amazing? I like yes, it. <laughs> it's the ear to ear. Sometimes we cry. But then, hey, sometimes it's almost like a little comic book. And the smile start right here from, from your ear level all the way around. And say, God is good. He's been so good to me. Even though sometimes I'm in a storm. God is good to me in the storm. We have to realize now that even right now we have more uh, a complete revelation of God than what Job had. Job only knew God a little bit. He knew God in accordance to how much God had revealed himself during that time. But we have an entire scriptures. Jesus has come. He was crucified. He sits at the right hand of God right now. And now we have this complete revelation. There's no excuse now. No excuse now. There's no excuse to say, hey, God, why are you doing this to me? My son can live just like you, and he didn't live a uh, super duper good life. He had nowhere to lay his head. The scriptures uh, report Jesus actually sleeping one time. And that's due to him passing out because he was he was uh, all the people coming to him and they wanted to be healed and he just healing them and they coming and he's healing them so much and Jesus is because he's the God man with the humanity side of him it got tired as he's healing and he just dropped and his disciples had to carry. It's the only time that God fell asleep. Only time he fell asleep. Lord Jesus, we have no excuse. No excuse. So that brings us to, since we don't have an answer to that question, the only thing we can do is trust God. Amen? Our pastor said last week, he said, trust, obey, there's one more option. We don't get it. Trust and obey and study the scriptures. We have a full account of what God, of God's goodness to humanity, especially to his people. In fact, he's been good to everybody. If you're able to walk this earth, you're able to take a sniff of the air, enjoy the green grass and enjoy the trees, you like the ocean, if you're a maritime person, you like to be out on the boat, you out there on that ocean that God has established, and he lets you be on that boat, and he allows you to have the knowledge to make that boat so it won't capsize in it and float in the water. God is responsible for allowing these things. He's awesome. So what we do with this problem of evil, Job kind of has a bright spot right here. And it's difficult not to hear these words and not think about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, you can probably say that Job was probably one of the first accounts of the Bible. You know, Genesis, Moses wrote Genesis to do the Bible. Job had to be one of the first accounts to be written down. Job even said it himself. Beginning at verse 23. He says, How I wish that someone would remember my words and record them in a book. Or would the chisel carve my words in stone and write them so that they would last forever. Amen. Did he not get his request? Did he get his request? In the midst of his trouble, even after accusing God of all these bad things that he said, See, then, you know, they didn't do that bright utensils way back then. They had to chisel it, you know, and they took lead and they poured it in there to make it, you know, stay and make it last forever or a long time. They had to take a stylus, like the little stylus we have on our phones. You know, you know, the stylus is not, you know, ground ready to take the box. The stylus, they take it, they chisel, and it's called cuneiform. They take the time to do it, and you get an opportunity. 
But they Google it, it's a uniform, and the words and symbols are actually installed, and they will last forever. There are archaeologists digging up things that have been actually installed from ages ago, and it's proof that God dealt with certain people that are written in the Bible, and it's all true, and God's providential goodness is awesome, God is good, He's all powerful, He is that God. And despite all of this evil, you can trust in Him. If you put your faith in Him, Despite what's going on, look what he did for Job. But guess what? Maybe we can get the first 25. Here's the good part. This is the good part. This is the good part. He says, But I know there is someone in heaven who will come at last to my defense. Uh oh. Uh oh. About that way back then, he didn't have no Bible to look at or nothing, did he? He didn't have no Bible. He knew that someone's going to come to his defense. See, we understand that in, in, uh, in uh, when Jesus Christ comes back and we stand before the judge and see God, that those who are believers, when they stand before God and, and they get a not guilty sentence, this Jesus is standing right there at your right hand saying, Yes, this is one of mine. He confessed his faith in me and was indwelled by my Holy Spirit. He's not guilty. Mm. Is that what Job is talking about here? All of these words, we know that every single word that we've ever spoken is going to be, we got to take an account for that. We know that all these things that Job said about what God is doing that are not true. But yet still he is God's servant. And yet still we will see him in the last day. He will give his account. He will be declared not guilty. As well as those who believe in Jesus Christ. As Lord and Savior will receive the verdict not guilty. Despite all the things we do. Despite many times that we stumble. Don't worry in Christ. Because we do make mistakes. Because Jesus Christ's blood makes propitiation for our mistakes. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we misrepresent God. And people that are not even in Christ will call you in a heartbeat. They called me before. Hey, Joe, you know your Bible. I heard the Bible say that this, this, and that. And I'm like, you right. You right. I'm wrong. But thank God for Jesus that I can go to the throne of grace and repent. How worse it would be if I can't go and confess my sin and say I'm sorry. If anyone can hear this today, don't wait till tomorrow. It don't matter how or what your life situation is. I don't care if you're wallowing in the fire. There's people out in San Francisco right now. It's so horrible out there in the streets of San Francisco. He forgave Paul, who said he was the chief of all sinners, persecuting the church the way he did. It was appointed to be the one who would bring the message to those who are not of Jewish descent. How, how does God do that? How does God use an instrument like that that was geared for murder because he was so zealous about the law and he was wrong about it and God turned on the light in it and all of a sudden it just changed his life. He did a complete 180. He went from hating the church to be the one who would say the most about Jesus Christ and how we should come to him and how we should worship. Helping the Jews to understand that the Jews and the Gentiles, those who are not of Jewish descent, are one man in Christ. Salvation and eternal life. He doesn't care about what you've been through. He already knows what you've been through. He knows that. You can't hide it. He knows what's going on. So why not come? Why not? Job goes on. This is hard. I love this passage. He says, Even after my skin is eaten by disease, 
while still in this body, I will see God. Oh, that's that right there. Oh man, how many times you been when you had your back up against the wall and you don't know how your life gonna turn out and you turn around and say, I know, I know Jesus is going, he's gonna get me out of this. I just know. Now how you know? You know, you you might get back to say that because I know God is good and Jesus hasn't failed me yet. He ain't gonna fail. While still in this body, I will see God. I will see him with my own eyes, and he will not be a stranger. Mm. 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 Let me read the passage. See, this is how amazing the scriptures is. First Corinthians. You want to turn to First Corinthians chapter 15. Beginning at verse 50. Hear what Paul has to say. And you can hear Job speaking to the future. You change the time. It's just 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Beginning at verse 50. I'll begin reading and you can catch up. I'll read the same version uh, from the good news. Paul began to say, Brothers, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and corruption cannot inherit incorruption. Listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised and corruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible must be clothed with incorruptibility. So what God, what Paul is saying that this, this old body has to be changed. We need a new body. Even he said in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, just write that one down and go read it later. Romans 8, 22 says that the whole creation is suffering and moaning and groaning until the sons of God are revealed that creation will suffer no more. Just write that one down and go take a look at it. So that's what he means that we must we have to put on the incorruptible, the imperishable body, as some translations say. It says, and this mortal must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible is clothed with the incorruptibility, and this mortal is clothed with immortality, then the same that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sin? Somebody in y'all ain't with me now. Oh man. Oh man. Y'all, some of y'all are quick. <laughs> when you say, we, we talk about it, we, we, people are complaining right now. You got these nationals going on and people are dying. People are exasperated. They, they're turned out psychologically. But we get to look and turn at death. And even one who may have a soft rifle in his head and say that, hey, death, where's your sin? What can you do to me? I'm in Christ. Even though you killed me, yet will I rise again because of the power of Christ. Do what you gotta do. They give you sort of a profile. Yeah. No, don't be cocky with it, but you know, it's like, yo, you're gonna do what you gotta do. Because guess what? I'm coming back to live with my Lord anyway. And guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pray for you right now anyway. Yeah. Even if you got a gun in my head, I'm gonna pray for you because God can turn you around right now and you will turn It's hard to just see that, that Job is not talking about 
the resurrection. Even though he did not know what he may have been saying at the time, it's just hard not to see that. That Job, even in the midst of all of his struggle, even in the midst of not understanding why the things that were happening were happening, understanding why an all-powerful God who blessed him so much will allow all these bad things to happen to him. He will, he will call out and say that he will see God in the last day. And he won't be a stranger. He won't be as strange to God. We understand that, you know, according to justification, when we're justified, you know, before we were made right with God and righteous, we are estranged from God. He said, God will not be estranged. I'm having difficulty seeing that Job is not directly talking about the last day. When the Lord will stand upon the earth. Some translations say when God will stand upon the earth. And he goes on to say, My courage failed me because you said, How can we torment him? And he's talking about his friends. You look for some excuse to attack me, but now be afraid of the sword, the sword that brings God's wrath and sin, so that you will know there is one who judges. Amen. How many of y'all can't wait for that day? When the one who torments us, the one who causes the causes the, the cause of sin to be in this world, how many of y'all are ready for him to be thrown on into that fire? We'll have a front row seat. We'll be right there on the cloud with Jesus, dressed in white robe. We're going to ride on the white horses, and he's going to throw him in. Thank you. 